You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts while the Lakers have two. Bryant, to shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fisher. Welcome to the show. I'm Lauren Lee Chen, and here with me, as always, are Aaron and Joshua Fishman. This week, we're going to be talking about the still undefeated Golden State Warriors with Andy Liu, who's in his fourth year covering the team for the Golden State of Mind. You might recognize him from his signature salmon-colored pants in his Twitter avatar. Backstory on those pants... He originally bought a size too small, and when he went to exchange them, the cashier thought they were for his girlfriend. Ouch. Hey, Andy, it's great to have you on. Glad you can make it today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I know this is kind of a weird question to ask about last season's team that won 67 games and was, I believe, first in defense and second in offense, but... It seems like this season, the team is even better. Can you talk about how they've been able to improve on an already dominant team? Oh, yeah. Um, that's the, I don't, I don't think even the fans saw this coming. I think last year, Steve Kerr kind of said something, uh, I think in the middle of the season where, and towards the end of the season where it was kind of a throwaway comment to most. Um, but he said something like, this team's offense was only going through its first uh, reads. So, Essentially, they were actually just doing a pretty pretty sloppy version of what they actually wanted to run. Um, and it was still running as essentially, I think, like you said, the first-ranked offense. So now this season, they're going through these same reads again, but with a more like an instinctual feel um, in terms of how they want to um, – terms of how they want to run around the court and, and make these plays so like the law passes the secondary options uh, especially with draymond green so that pretty much is the base, biggest factor um in terms of how the offense is flowing after steph and then the the last thing is the transition offense that draymond's doing which is good for almost double digit points a game at this juncture where he's just grabbing a rebound and pushing it back up without anybody uh, behind him essentially he's able to get these rebounds with the seven something wingspan that he has and he has that vision where he can find clay or steph in the corner or on the wings so it's really an improvement i would say mainly on draymond and steph's part um while everybody else has has remained mostly the same uh without any any huge uh downswing um and barnes and Iguodala obviously shooting very well Um, But I guess that's not hard to do, right, when you're always wide open. Yeah, everyone's talking about this great start that they have gone uh, out to. And all of these wins have been under interim head coach Luke Walton. You mentioned the big improvement and more involvement of Draymond Green in the offense this season. But have you noticed any other changes between the coaching style of Luke Walton versus Steve Kerr, who won a championship last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Luke Walton is way calmer. Then Steve Kerr. Now, even when the Warriors were winning, Kerr would throw these little fits now and again, just screaming at guys like even Steph, um, Dre, or whoever it is. Um, sloppy turnovers, bad shots, isolations, what he hates the most. So what everybody else loves, you know, those Steph dribble around, um, pick and rolls or, or take an ISO shooter, shoot a fadeaway three that he, of course, is very good at making. Steve Kerr hates that. So now the Warriors are doing those things, but nobody's really reining them in. Now, 
Uh, this hasn't really turned out to be a, a downside. There hasn't been a loss yet, but the Warriors, I think, are having fun really doing whatever they want until the uh, until the big guy comes back, which is pretty funny. And uh, in last game, Draymond Green actually got pretty pissed when uh, uh, when Luke Walton took him out when he was about two rebounds away from triple-double. Um, and he basically put himself back in middle of the fourth quarter to get that triple-double. If Steve Kerr was the coach, I can almost guarantee that that would not happen. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much stuff to talk about when you talk about Steph Curry with his jump shot, his his handle, his passing ability. But one thing I want to touch on is this season, it seems like he's gotten a lot better at finishing at the rim. He's got that super high off the glass layup, and I think he's hitting about two-thirds of his shot in the restricted area, which is pretty ridiculous for someone his size. What kind of work has he done to have that improvement? And how has that developed over the course of his career in your mind? That's a good one. Um, he used to, well, like most guys that are smaller, he used to not finish well uh, in the lane. And really, he's, it used to be one of those things that you got kind of scared whenever you would get in the lane just because he would twist an ankle um, mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, you know, with, with him in his case. But going back a little bit and kind of putting some backstory to it, Steph actually, uh, I think uh, what they said was could have had not career ending, but really like small, almost career ending ankle surgery. So it was one of those things where they had actually had to diagnose and, and the doctor really said either this is they're going to have to try surgery that they've really never done before or they're going to just do some cleanup and he's going to be good if he rehabs well. Now, obviously, the latter happened uh, and he, he, he had that cleanup surgery uh, two, three seasons ago. Um, and he rehabbed it back now, but the different type of rehab that he had was essentially instead of focusing all his entire body on his ankle, uh, when he's pivoting, when he's, when he's sprinting, when he's, uh, when he's twisting and cutting, he started to work more on his hip, his core, everything like that. And when that happened, he started to use that, his hips, um, and his body to move instead of his ankle. And that way he became much stronger. So not really like he's bigger now than he was before, but it's really the way that he's moving his body is allowing him to stay more grounded and less flimsy when he's running around. And I think that's really helped in terms of allowing him to drive aggressively without uh, getting hurt, without getting scared of getting hurt. And he's always had the touch, like his jump shot. So he's always had that those little curl arounds, those little twists, um, those little flicks and that floater. That floater game now is pretty pretty crazy. It's it's not. I don't know if it's Chris Paul level yet because he doesn't do it as much, but it's getting there. So I think he's reworked his entire body, and that's how that's helped him one stay healthy and two get into the lane almost at will at this point, leveraging his jump shot to finish. Hey Andy, this is Aaron. Now I, I like that Lauren asked about that because because when a guy is making threes like crazy like that, you're obviously gonna have to close out, and Steph can beat you really anywhere on the court right now, but. Two of the toughest tests that the Warriors have passed so far were against the Clippers. They had two <laughs> comeback victories. One of them was a, a really close game the whole way. The other one, the Clippers had, I believe it was a 23-point lead that they ultimately blew. It depends really on how you look at it, if it was an epic Clippers meltdown or an epic Warriors comeback. But I want to get your thoughts on the significance of those uh, wins for the Warriors, particularly the second one. And do you think it was more of the confidence that the Warriors have built and, and fostered through that championship run, possibly more of the Clippers not really being ready for primetime or, or more of a combination of the two, do you think? Yeah, that's a good – I mean, 
Well, are you guys Clippers fans? Joshua and I, yeah, we, we're Clippers fans. We try to be objective on the podcast, <laughs> but we're Clippers fans, yeah. <laughs> and Lauren too as well, or not? He's not. He, he's Rockets number one and Celtics oh, two. That. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, God, I make fun of the Rockets so much. Now I feel a little bit bad. But <laughs> oh, but uh, to answer your question, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, answer, the answer usually falls uh, in terms of a, a little bit of both, I think. I think just the Warriors aren't scared of the Clippers, so they aren't wrapped. Now, I don't think they're scared of anyone at this point. Um, right. I think you, I think you could say they were a little bit scared last year in the postseason. Their they first definitely time. don't like them. We can put yeah. it. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't like them when Mark Jackson. But that was one of the things where you actually knew the Clippers were better, so they really couldn't do much. It was one of the things where their offense was inept. The running ISOs are just trying to run uh, Steph off screens, and Chris Paul is really one of the best, actually the best, um, maybe besides Iguodala and Kawhi, but one of the best guys at chasing guys through screens and, and hanging on to a player's body when he's running through them. So when that was the main offense, the Warriors couldn't do anything against the Clippers team. But now that they've got um, an offense they can rely on, on a defense that they know really that they found out where Draymond Green could bother Blake Griffin. Now, not for four quarters, but for some random reason, Blake Griffin can't take advantage of the situation that he does in the first three quarters. So in the last couple games, I mean, in the last couple of seasons, Draymond has dominated that matchup in the fourth quarter. And yeah. that's usually when the Clippers melt down. So I think it's one of those things, even when they're down, I believe like last game was what, 27 or something like that. They were really not worried. And that's one, they're cocky as hell, the Warriors. Um, <laughs> and two, they just know that they're going to be able. I guess those two things go hand in hand. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say though. It's hard to to tell with the Clippers whether they're ready for big time or not because they did beat the Spurs right in a game yeah. seven, which is incredible. Um, but yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's a multitude of different things um, where their bench is not good enough, and I don't think their coaching is good enough um, to where they can do these things. And and at a certain point, you're going to start to think whether do the Warriors have these guys' number. Or are they in their heads? But that's also hard to say because the Clippers were up 20-something. You don't just get Good. up 20-something points. Yeah, that leads into what I wanted to ask you next. The Clippers are definitely doing something right against the Warriors, at least for much of these games. That leads me to the question of, I know it's early in the season, but who are the biggest threats or who is the biggest threat to the Warriors repeating? Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this today, actually. I think I think it's not close right now. I think it's the Spurs. I mean, we haven't even seen them play each other since way back of last year when the Spurs dominated the Warriors, actually. Kawhi pretty much destroyed Steph. Um, so I think watching the game tonight, what the Jazz did was essentially uh, what the Grizz did last postseason, was make the game ugly, force the Warriors in a ton of weird-looking shots, some isolations, um, pounded the boards a little bit. I think the Warriors out-rebounded them. But uh, the Jazz did have some um, offensive boards, and Rudy Gobert kind of dominated the paint, really, and affected a lot of shots that Clay, Livingston, uh, Bogut couldn't get off. So I think that's one thing the Spurs uh, could replicate, and the Spurs have a better offense. So they have uh, they have a Kawhi on that end now. I mean, I'm not a fan of Lamarcus Aldridge, but I mean, um, he could do things that favors Ken as well. Um, right. And then they also have a Mono and a Danny Green that are sh- spot up shooters, or at least Danny Green is that yeah. the Jazz don't have. Yeah. So I think far and away the Spurs are That's, number one, and I think yeah. a little bit back is, is the Cavs and the Thunder, which I don't think are on the level of the Warriors yet. That's um, a, a fair response. We had Stephen Anderson last week talk to us about the Spurs, and 
it just seems like just down the line, the matchups make sense that it could create problems against the Warriors. And it, it is interesting how they don't play for the first time this season until late January. And then they play twice in the final week of the season. So a lot of their matchups are backloaded. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yes. I mean, they might not even play each other. I mean, they might not even play 100% against each other. So that's got to yeah. I know Pop isn't going to Yeah, knowing Popovich, so. he won't. He'll, he'll yeah. be strategic about it. Harrison Barnes is one guy. You mentioned a little bit earlier how he's shooting so well. I think he's one of the more underappreciated role oh, players in this league. He's just been so good. Can you describe for us the role that he plays for this team and how he plays it so well? As of this recording, he's been out for a little bit with an ankle injury, but he should be back soon. Harrison Barnes is interesting. Um, he was, and I guess is, uh, was overrated to start. Um, he's so he's so weird. <laughs> Some compare him to like a, a Jeff Green um, kind of player. Vanishes, um, uh, has flashes, um, is pretty inconsistent. But really, now I don't think he's that player at all. I mean, I think he's, first of all, I think he's much better than Jeff Green. Um, yeah. His handle is better than it was last season, which I'm I'm shocked because his handle was dreadful. Um, so he's actually getting by guys, not only fours, which you know he could always do because he was smaller and quicker, but even around some threes. And, and, and to be able to dribble functionally um, through the paint is, is a huge uh, improvement um, on his part. Now, his versatility, I think, is probably the second most, second most important uh, function on this team, which is crazy um, because he's able to play the four, the three, um, and just swinging between those two allows the Warriors to play their best lineup in terms of plus minus the death lineup that everybody calls. He can play that better than anyone on that team by far. Just being average against twos, threes, and fives, just being able to do that is good enough on this team because Draymond is so good covering everything else up in that lineup. So I don't. I, it's weird because I think he's overrated in terms of the potential he has. I don't think he has that much potential, um, as some people say. But he's also underrated in that um, some people, uh, the other side, on the other side of the spectrum, some people think he's he's not very good and he vanishes and he only makes open shots um, and he does what he, he does what he has to do because they're all because it's easy. So I right. think there's two ways to look at it, um, and and he's they missed him tonight. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I don't think he wanted to go small, maybe because he didn't have Harrison at the four. So that 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 says something about his value to the team. This is Joshua jumping in now. Draymond yep. Green. That's all that really needs to be said. But I'm gonna <laughs> actually ask you a question. He was He's... my pick for Defensive Player of the Year last season. I thought he should have been an All Star. I think he should be again. He's shooting the three amazingly well now. His passing is off the charts. Defense, toughness. And like you said, the transition offense he provides. What does he mean to the team this year? And without him, are they really even the same kind of team? Oh, without him, they're <laughs> without him, they are the they're probably a fringe playoff team. No, no, no. Without they're him, like they're like a yeah. five or six seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Man, the improvements that he's made year to year has been insane. So from his rookie year, to recount a little bit from his rookie year, he was good at making hustle plays. So he's one of those guys where, oh, he's going to be a fun glue guy, right? 
then he started making threes. Then you're like, oh, wow, he can actually play some defense and he can start making threes. Um, and then last year, he was able to show off more versatility um, in terms of making threes, making passes. And now this year, he's made a full-on uh, superstar uh, improvement into where he does everything well. So not only um, intangibles that everybody loves talking about, uh, but also making uh, the, the, the normal stats. So uh, great shooting percentage from three, uh, assists, rebounds, blocks, um, and of course the staple of that. The death lineup doesn't doesn't happen without him. Um, and he's also the most vocal kind on the team, um, easily. Uh, they call him the heartbeat. Um, he's pretty much screams at everyone. He loves screaming at Harrison Barnes. I've seen him yell at Steph, Bogut, all those guys. But but it's in fun. And he also and he's also yelling at Steve Kerr all the time. Um, but they yell at each other. So he's the guy that brings the fire out. And I would say he's probably the emotional leader um, and keeps everything composed at all times. I think the main thing that I would say in terms of that leadership is that he's always screaming at the refs, but he somehow doesn't get a technical. Don't know how that happens, but he's really good at that. Because, I mean, the, war, the Warriors last year, I think, um, I forget which, uh, I think it was Memphis, um, and they were struggling a lot. The guy started whining after every call. I mean, Clay wasn't was whining. Even Steph was. Um, Iguodala. And they were getting to the point where they almost Clipper-esque in terms of they were getting out of their own game because they were just worried about the officials so much. And I think Draymond knew that, pulled, reined it back in a little bit. And I guess it doesn't hurt when they when Steve Clipper makes that uh, change on defense and kind of wins the series for them, essentially, against Memphis. Another guy who's really imp- improving um, this season is Festus Azili. He had some big games in the playoffs, but this season he's almost playing twice as many minutes per game. He came up huge again on Monday night against the Jazz. What do you attribute his success to and his in- increase in minutes? I think just staying healthy, number one, which is something that he couldn't do. Um, when he was a warrior, he actually missed an entire season. I think he tore his knee up. Um, at the end of uh, a couple of years ago, like the last regular season game, and then he missed the entire next season. It was just, he was supposed to be back at like, I think near the beginning of the year, he ended up just missing the whole thing. Um, so staying healthy. And then I think the other thing is he knows what, he knows what he's set up to do on the court. He's no, he knows what he's out there for and he does it extremely well and he doesn't vary from that. So you don't see him out here trying spin move up and under uh, fadeaways. Um, you don't see him dribbling ball up the court. You don't see him shooting 15-foot jumpers. Um, you don't see him doing anything crazy. All he pretty much does is contest at the rim, grab rebounds, and on the other end, try to get an alley-oop from Draymond Green. It's pretty much all he does, and, and that's, I think, the prototype for centers in today's NBA if you aren't a, like, Marcus Saul or, or Al Jefferson, I guess, something like that, if you have some special skill. So he's, I think hyper-focused in, into his strengths that have turned his weaknesses essentially into a, a an area where people can't really exploit. So, And he's honestly, he's outplayed Andrew Bogut so far this year, which is, which is I love. I, like, I really like Andrew Bogut as a player, but Bogut's been a little a little off. So, Azili, and he has great chemistry with Draymond, um, which is which is pretty incredible, incredible to watch. The Warriors have put out that small ball lineup a decent amount this season. With Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, and Andre Iguodala, that lineup's just been destroying people on both ends, having a ridiculous offensive and defensive rating. Other teams have been trying this too. Most notably, I think the Pacers playing Paul George at power forward <laughs> a lot, and that's worked out a little bit for them. Other teams have been trying to use it. I know 
Uh, Houston was trying to use Marcus Thornton at four for for a little. Mm. That didn't work very well. That is ballsy. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that is something. Thornton and Ariza at three, four, or something. I don't know. It didn't work. Um, (laughs) Anyway, why would you say it's so effective for the Warriors? What in their personnel and schemes that makes it so dominant on both sides, as opposed to other teams? I think. I think that one is uh, you can't really duplicate guys um, like Steph, um, like Draymond. Well, I mean, I, I think so. The main the main improvement that I saw this year, not the main improvement, but the main strength that I saw on the bench for the Warriors is the intelligence, is the uh, mental IQ when they're on the court. Um, and I think that that's the biggest difference in terms of uh, what they can do and what other teams can do. Because in terms of athleticism itself, um, I don't think they are like incredibly vastly higher than anyone else in a team like not not the Thunder, not the Clippers, not the Rockets even, right? Or the Hawks, something like that. But I think that they're able to play smarter in that system than other guys. So when they have an Iguodala on the court, um, who is the smartest guy on the team, and a Draymond on the court, a Steph, and then you have Harrison Barnes who does what he does, and Clay, who's kind of an airhead sometimes, but I mean you know, he's he's one of the best shooters in the league, so can't really screw that up. So I think the IQ part is what makes that lineup so good. Uh, when Steph gets doubled and Draymond gets the ball, ball in a 4-3, he almost never screws it up. And Iguodala knows when to cut, uh, knows when to shoot. And on the defensive end, I mean, the 4-3 makes it easy. But on the defensive end, it's what they're able to do in terms of knowing when to double. Uh, bigs when to um, when to dig. Steph is really good at that. When when they, when to come down on a big when he's dribbling. So it doesn't really come down until the big dribbles, turns his head, and then he's lost. He doesn't know where he is. And so they're really good at, at playing off each other as well and knowing where everyone's going to be. Um, which which says a lot about Draymond, who's essentially uh, manning that defense. Um, so I think that that's what sets them apart, and I think that's only matched by one team in the league. Um, the Spurs. So that's going to be interesting to see when we're going to uh, when they have ten players on the court and everybody's playing high IQ basketball. So I think it's going to look something like the the Heat Spurs series of a, of a couple of years ago, the one that went seven. Just everybody incredibly talented and and knows exactly where to go um, on the court uh, at all times. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. And everybody's talking about the possibility of seventy wins this season. But I think a big factor in that is it's a long season and you always worry about people getting injured. Last season, they didn't have any major injuries that I can remember and they played all the way up to the championship. So it just it being a long season, how are they able to avoid injuries so well? And how big of a factor is that over the course of the season? Yeah, that's a good one. I think everybody's I mean, this one's talked about it all all season all off season right going into the season is, is injuries and how, how the warriors are fortunate not fortunate whatever they do strategically um inclined not inclined but strategically fortunate to avoid these i think they are everybody talks about the cutting edge technology that they use in terms of uh you run these guys in in, in suits um that track how hard they run um and if it hits a certain point then yeah it's time to rest them Things like that, right? They brought in a new Australian uh, training staff, which deals specifically in uh, technology like that, um, that deals with the human body. Um, so that's all well and good. Um, but what? And so I don't have any specific uh, scientific proof to, to say that this team is doing it better than the other. 
and I think the Spurs do that as well. So maybe there's a correlation. Uh, the thing is, though, um, is that one the the Warriors are getting maybe they are getting kind of lucky in terms of injuries. Maybe they, it is good they don't have anybody that's had a, has an ACL you know tear or something like that. The other thing is that um, they're just winning games by so much that the guys just don't play that much. Um, so if they're playing like 31, 32 minutes a game, I mean, I think Steph was at 35 last time I checked, but he hasn't played in the last three, fourth quarters. Um, yeah. and he played about 33 a year. You look at yeah. someone over there in OKC, like, like Russ and, and West, uh, Russ and, and KD, those guys are playing like 30, 36 yeah. minutes. Those minutes add up. Um, I, I think that's an excellent point. They're just, when they're getting those huge leads, they're resting guys. But you're going to think this is a funny question I'm about to ask you. I'm asking this about a 19 and 0 team. I want to know what their biggest weakness is. But then, as a follow-up to that, they just won their first game of a seven-game road trip Monday night against Utah. I want a, a prediction. It doesn't have to be the exact game, but about when do you think the first loss will come? But uh, just starting with the biggest weakness on this undefeated team. Biggest weakness is... There is, there is one, I think. I think there is one without uh, getting uh, too arrogant, as they say. Um, the offense, when Steph is having an off night or when he is enveloped by a great defender. So somebody like um, – uh, somebody Kawhi like – maybe Exactly, exactly. So somebody like Kawhi, maybe Trevor Ariza because um, he is long. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying Carissa can guard him, but he is that long type of defender that gives Steph issues. Um, I don't think Chris Paul is that defender anymore. Um, I think it, it, the only ones that are going to be maybe KD if he has enough energy or if he improves to that guy. Which, you know, probably not going to happen because he has to play offense. Maybe Robertson. Um, so I think that's their biggest weakness. If if a guy can take away Steph, and by take away Steph, I mean force Steph to seven of twenty one shooting. Um, and like maybe four threes or something like right, that. Right, right. Um, if they are able to do that by not doubling so much, by maybe just putting an ISO on him, um, then the Warriors are kind of lost. Um, because without a four on three advantage, as great as Draymond is, he's not going to necessarily uh, take a guy to a hole. Clay's not going to ISO anyone because he's a little too slow. Um, Iguodala's not an ISO player either. They're going to have to run cuts and all that. They're smart enough to run those plays. Uh, but if you're enveloping Steph, Steph with one person, the Warriors' uh, offense does drag. Um, and, and it shows in the numbers when he's off the court, um, which is which is obvious because he's the best player in the world. But um, I guess that's easier said than done. Um, and I think there is only one person in the world that will slow him down. I think it is Kawhi. So that everything goes back to the Spurs, I guess, <laughs> is, the, is the answer. It's a good answer. <laughs> and the, the loss... Man, that's that's a tough one. I, I've been I've been asked this a lot. I don't. I, I so this one this one is I think with the with, I think combining it with the other question, I think the Warriors would win seventy something if Walton coached the whole season. I don't think they do if if Steve Kerr does because Steve will bench guys um, as he sees fit. I don't think Walton will because he doesn't command a locker room like that. So, and I think Walton will probably coach until the new year. So probably uh, until at least Feb, Feb or March maybe. Um, so I think they'll lose. I don't think they'll lose on this road trip just because everybody's saying they'll lose in Toronto. I think the fact that everyone is saying that, the Warriors know that. Um, and they're they're probably, in Indiana, too, and they have a lot of games in a short period. I, I three and four, like yeah. Top one of those, but we'll see. 
The, the Pacers are fun. I, I watched them a couple of times this last week, and they're fun. The only issue I have is, is you don't want to go small against the Warriors. If you go small against the Warriors, you're going to get destroyed. If I'm just predicting, regardless of home or away, they're better than every single team in the league. I just think it adds up when you're playing yeah. a grind of a season. You're going to drop one eventually. Uh, it's kind of hard to look at the schedule and say, who are they going to lose to? But I'm thinking on this road trip, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I know. Oh, I don't know. But I would. it would be safe to assume that Kerr would be playing guys less minutes, um, especially on a roadie like this. I think they have a three and four. Um, uh, they, I think they had just had one, and they're going to have one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I think Kerr wouldn't play, uh, even if it was an undefeated record. I think Kerr would rest guys. And like I said, I don't, I don't think Walton has the the locker room enough, and they respect him, but he doesn't have the locker room enough to bench guys. So I think he'll push guys, um, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a bad thing, but he'll allow the players to push themselves to play these games, play 35, 36 minutes, 37 minutes to win these games, um, which then you start to say, like, well, is this thing, if it gets up to, like, you know, 24, right, you're starting to say, well, are these minutes adding up worth it? Right. Um, is, is, is the give and take worth it at this point? Um, and I think if Wallen's coaching, there's, there's no other way around it. Uh, although I do think, um, I'm a, in terms of a long-term goal, long-term hope of them winning a back-to-back championship, you know, them losing sooner or later is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. Because like you said, it does wear on them. Um, and these games are getting closer and closer. Um, at least the last, I think, three out of four games were close, except for that Suns game. It should be interesting to see when the Warriors do get their first loss. But I want to wrap it up. We want to thank you so much for being on, Andy. I have one last question. Amid the Warriors' record-breaking win streak to start the season, what's the most important team story that no one's talking about? Oh, this is... <laughs> Anything under the radar? Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Uh, anything they've blown it pretty much everything out of uh, out of the water now, right? I mean, every storyline is is pretty much drawn out and, and featured. Maybe there's one. Is there one story that is too talked about? This is overblown. That is yeah, really not that big of a story. That is just all over the media. That's a yeah, good alternate question. That yeah, that's and if I can answer the other one, I can go back to that as well. But the overblown one is is who is going to get these wins as the coach who's going to get 19 wins i think that's <laughs> like one of the dumbest things i've ever heard in my life of um, that as well as the uh do you think that these wins should be counted along with the four wins that they run one in a row uh last season i mean who cares <laughs> i mean they they won those last four games and they had to play in the postseason it's an entirely different season I, I don't i don't know so i think that those two storylines are blown out of proportion but shouldn't luke walton get the wins or, or it just doesn't matter is what you're um, saying, right yeah i don't think actually you know what and i, I think i'm gonna go uh, and answer the other question as well because they do kind of yeah. go hand in hand i think they really really they truly really don't give a crap um in terms of who's going to get the credit so and i think uh, this storyline was brought up a little bit um, but what I um, argue about all the time with uh, one of the Warriors, uh, other big fans, Samus Fandiari, is how um, egoless the Warriors management is, um, and that's not I don't that's I think is not as much talked about because they have um, Lacob, uh, West, Myers, uh, Steve Kerr, who has more power than he admits. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, he will say he doesn't have any say in anything, but he does. He absolutely does. Um, so those four guys, I mean, as a, as a previous GM. So those yeah. four guys, um, I'm probably missing someone there. But those four guys, in terms of making decisions, are really good at getting out of each other's way and not, I shouldn't say ruining, but not just uh, putting their own ego up. Yeah. So Lake up getting out of the way of that decision um, with the Kevin Love and Clay decision and letting uh, letting Steve decide, letting West decide. I think Steve, I believe Steve Kerr was for keeping Clay. Uh, uh, West was for keeping Clay. Um, Myers was for Love. Um, and I think Lakeup just, I don't, I don't want to say because I don't know, I might be wrong, but I think Lakeup just got out of the way and just, hey, I'm going to let you guys decide. Um, and they ended up eschewing that trade offer. And I think they're really good at that. And just because at the end of the day, I, I think uh, Lakeup is the guy that owns the team, right? So he does have say, but he's he's good at just, hey, I'm not the basketball guy here. I'm not, I'm not the guy that knows hoops and knows players like Myers, the agent, West, one of the best player development and one of the player scouting guys in the league. Um, so he's just good at getting out of the way there. Uh, Steve Kerr is good at deflecting praise um, when he should be getting a lot of it in terms of how he handled the team last year. I think that's, I mean, one of those things where people are saying like, hey, do the Warriors even need a coach, right? <laughs> do they even need Luke Wallen on the sideline? Now, maybe they don't, but there's a reason why. Um, it's because uh, Kerr last year, uh, I don't even know if he won coach of the year, but he should have um, just turning around the entire team and how they were able to, to, to uh, deflect and, 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 and play with each other. So I think that's the most the most underrated storyline, um, and I think they like it that way. I because... believe Mike Budenholzer won. Yeah, Steve Kerr was the runner-up. Just a ton of juicy insider scoops from Andy <laughs> Liu here. Thanks again for spending so much time with us, Andy. It's been enlightening and an absolute pleasure having you on. Yeah, th- thanks, guys. I mean, if, if any of the stuff uh, you don't think is true, I, I definitely just made it up. So don't even just just <laughs> wanted to throw it out there. And don't even worry about if it's true or not. I just want it to sound really cool. Um, <laughs> I, I so, think so it's don't... sick. <laughs> he doesn't even report on the Warriors. He's just some random guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever gets the people going. Uh, but really, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. Yeah, our pleasure. Yeah.